Welcome to The Perspective with Mike Sherbino. We're a TV show and a syndicated radio show, and we are stepping into the conversation and looking to uncover how faith influences culture and how culture influences our faith. Be prepared to hear from some amazing guests, known and unknown, insightful conversations that will get you thinking. And most importantly on the show, we are especially interested in encountering the living God and hearing about how he is transforming lives. Check us out on the World Wide Web at www.theperspective.tv. On Facebook, you can search The Perspective with Mike Sherbino, and you can also find us on YouTube. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh. Perhaps there are few things in life more important than sharing the Word of God with others. Today on The Perspective with your hosts, Pastor Mike Sherbino and Julie Stoutland, we welcome back to the show Sean McDowell to talk about his latest book, A Rebel's Manifesto, Choosing Truth, Real Justice and Love Amid the Noise of Today's World. This prolific writer doesn't fall far from the tree. His father, Josh McDowell, has written over 40 books and his talented son is catching up. Once again, welcome to The Perspective, Sean McDowell. Well, I hope you're looking forward to the program today as much as I am because, Julie, whenever Sean comes on, it's like we get take, taken to a different level you well, know, in you, thinking You feel and like you just start and it's done, so. Yeah, that, <laughs> and hopefully that will be entirely the case, but we're going to unpack a few things today. And, you know, Sean's... Um, father had a big impact on me with his writing mm-hmm. uh, more than me a carpenter too. and many things that helped me when I was a young college student to process my faith. And we're going to talk about things like that. How do I know I can really believe mm. what I say that I'm believing in? Yeah. What are some of the books that you've held dear? Well, I have to say, you said the Bible, obviously more than a carpenter was uh, really impactful for me. And when, and also when I was in youth ministry, I mean, Josh um, did this whole big event where we didn't have the technology to really connect like we do today, but we did by videotape. And then we had these major events that uh, were amazing for youth to feel like we're all doing this at the same time. You know? Surely you're not that old. Ah, uh, yeah, no, I'm very... <laughs> hey, let's bring Sean on right now. Sean, we're <laughs> we glad you're with us. Leave it right there. Leave it right there. Thanks for, uh, <laughs> thanks for putting up with us. Uh, the power of books to shape, to help us to think through critical issues. And if ever there was a day when we need to be thinking critically, uh, today's the day, isn't it? Amen to that. Mike and Julie, thanks for having me back. So what's uh, close to uh, your heart these days as you're thinking about different thoughts? I know you're a teacher. Uh, not only an apologist, what is it that is just standing out forefront in your mind in some of the common arguments that people are raising? Well, my heart is really for the church as a whole, but in particular for the next generation. So I'm always tracking what challenges and what questions they're asking and how this shifts generationally. I think we're seeing certain trends. Here's the way I frame it, is that there's certain timeless questions that people are always asking. And then there's timely questions. So some of these timeless questions are, why does God allow evil? Does Mm -hmm. God exist? Is there a purpose for my life? Uh, Is there really such a thing as heaven? And can we know? These are questions this generation is asking. Very timely questions. I would say are really questions about identity. Now, people have always asked questions about identity. In fact, every movie is really about who am I? But the way this generation is answering questions about identity has shifted. This is something Carl Truman lays out 
uh, in his book, A Strange New World, mm. where he talks about how yeah. in the past we understood our identities rooted in the community around us, rooted in something objectively true in the world, we would conform ourselves to that truth. Hmm. Now, identity, we look within at our own feelings and our own desires, what we call being authentic to the self. And I don't think it's any coincidence that as the shift has gone inward, we've also seen a massive increase in mental health struggles within this generation. So that's at the heart of one of the big challenges that I'm it, wrestling with today. Isn't that interesting? And then we're, we're inward and then all this stuff is happening. How, what a coincidence, right? <laughs> well, but, think about it, Jesus. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. Jesus I, said, go ahead. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. In other words, love God and love others is mm -hmm. the secret to a meaningful life. Our culture says only sacrifice for yourself. If it right. feels good, do it. You be you. And it leads to the opposite of the fulfilled life Jesus talked about. Right. Now, Sean, in your book, Rebel Manifesto, you also talk about worldviews and how to spot worldviews. Can you ex expound that more, especially for, for young people today when, you know, like, what's a worldview? How do I know what that is and where can I see it? So worldview is simply a view of the world. It's a perspective of reality. It's a lens through which we understand and interpret the world in which we live. And we act based on how we see the world. So just this morning, I was teaching a high school class and we were walking through the live action movie. I think it's 2016 Beauty and the Beast. And I was pointing out to the students, I said, isn't it interesting that here's a man at the beginning, his problem was selfishness and he judged people by appearance. Somebody comes in and gives a curse to him. He becomes the beast. And physical corruption takes place not only in his body, but in the castle. And the only way to bring him salvation is through genuinely learning to love another. Mm. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> that, that is basically the Christian story caught in this film. Now, not all films do that. Some films have ideas of consumerism and hedonism and Marxism. But all worldviews and even short TikTok videos are telling stories that contain ideas about the world, and they're shaping our worldviews if we're not careful and discerning, like it says in Romans 12 too, do not be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So here's the point, as we talk about that, and I love that passage where it says we need to be renewing yeah. our mind. Uh, I think of the class you were talking to this morning. How... Apart from exposing it, is there any specific things that you're doing to help them to think critically so that they are aware of the prevailing worldviews and how subtle they are? So here's kind of a three-prong approach that I take. And this is in a different book that I wrote called Chasing Love. I was trying to counter mm -hmm. faulty ideas about sexuality in the culture. The first third of the book is just lies and myths that this generation has bought about love, about freedom, and about truth. So first is dispelling the faulty ideas. And in the middle is replacing it with the truth, God's design for marriage, singleness, and sexuality. And then third, walking through specific cultural issues, whether it's divorce, cohabitation, uh, transgender, same-sex marriage. Now that they have a biblical lens, 
and understood how their thinking has been shaped by our secular culture, then they're able to think Christianly about that topic. So really it involves what I just kind of call spotting the lie and then replacing it with the truth. It's very interesting. Um, I'm in the midst of teaching a series on integrity. Mm. And one of the things about integrity is that oftentimes we think, okay, I'm a person of integrity because of this, this, and this, but we're not uh, cognizant of the fact that we're being shaped by a lot of times Mm. our friend's worldview or the community we're hanging out in, whether it's, you know, the little league, uh, baseball group where all the parents you know get together and they talk about the latest things and suddenly you begin to think oh if i don't go along with that way then i must be really missing it and i'm concerned like you are that we understand how we're being shaped uh by outside worldviews so appreciate your thoughts on that i love that you're teaching that because integrity is the idea that my life matches up with what i say It implies a certain standard of truth that my character is matching up with. So to lack integrity is to not live what you say is true. In a sense, our culture is calling us to not live a life of integrity according to a biblical standard. So I love that you're talking about this. And of course, what we have to do this generation is frame what does it really mean to be integrous? Mm. Well, Our culture, the authentic life, is living for views, living for yourself, living for feelings. You be you, live your truth. Yeah. Scripture says there's a truth outside of us. And if I'm integrous, I'm willing to know that truth, follow that truth, and ultimately sacrifice for that truth. Very different perspectives. You know, I want to switch gears for a minute because you also have a chapter in your book dealing with AI and we're hearing about it in the news all the time now. And I can't help but think, how do we prepare young people for this development and the increasing usage of AI as they try to walk out as young believers in Christ? Well, that's a huge question. <laughs> I think it's, it's well, we have a couple of shows to that one. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I I would just say we have to approach this without fear, mm. right? It's uh, our world it's easy says to be fear. fearful. I have to admit, I'm fearful at well, times. The most common command in the Old Testament is do not fear. Mm. The most common one. Why? Because fear is self-based. We're focusing on ourselves. First John 4, 18 says perfect love casts out fear. Love is focused on others. So it's natural to be fear-based. But if we approach something like AI and say, here's an opportunity for the church, this is not going anywhere. How do we respond positively, use it for the gospel? I think we just approach it differently. But I'm with you. My natural default is fear. It's taking our jobs. It's (laughs) kids are going to cheat, et cetera. So I've had conversations on this. There's a chapter in the book, A Rebel's Manifesto. What is artificial intelligence? So part of this is walking through with students that robots will never think like Christians like human beings do because of the Christian worldview. They're not conscious. They're not self-conscious. They're sophisticated algorithms. And because they don't have a soul, as scripture teaches, we're body and soul, they'll never be able to think. That's one distinction we need to help students understand. And then second, I think as Oh, sorry, as educators, it makes us think the idea of giving information to people as education in the past is gone. You've got to teach a generation how to think. It's true. 
Sean, let's hold that thought. Mm -hmm. We're going to be right back as we talk more, not just about artificial intelligence, mm -hmm. but uh, how we are so impacted by our worldview, and especially with the next generation. Mm -hmm. Stay with us. We'll be right back with Sean McDowell. We all love stories. They shape our minds, fuel our passions, and give perspective to our situation. Speaking of perspective, have you checked out The Perspective on your local TV network? The Perspective is Canada's newest daily faith-based program that addresses the issues between faith and culture. You will hear stories from guests like Lisa Bevere, Daryl Strawberry, Paul Henderson, The Godwink People, David Nurse, and many more. Hosted by Dr. Mike Sherboneau, The Perspective is here to help you find and follow Jesus. Check us out at theperspective.tv. Looking for a church to connect with? North End Church at 455 Geneva Street in St. Catharines has the welcome mat out for you, and Pastor Mike would love to get to meet and talk with you. Join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. North End Church, where everyone is welcome, no one is perfect, and anything is possible. We're talking today with Sean McDowell. And Sean, I just want to say, you know, I want to talk about the area you write about in your book about moral judgments. But before we, we get into that, I wanted to share a quick story with Trinity, you know, it, um, you may remember is in art school in Sweden. It was interesting. She had a conversation with the atheist student and uh, she was point blank asked questions that she tries to avoid, like the plague. And her friend said, well, why, why don't you want to answer? She goes, I'm afraid you'll reject me. And she said it. Her friend made an interesting comment. She said, if I'm on one side of the street protesting something and you're on the opposite side, we can be protesting something completely different, but I'll still be your friend. And I thought, wow, that was something. And that brought me to your chapter on moral judgments and how do we help young people through this ability of tolerance and moral judgments? Well, one thing we have to realize is that this is not a relativist generation. We're often told that they don't believe in moral judgment and right and wrong, but that's not true. Mm. In fact, ironically, when I was growing up in the 90s in high school, there was a sense of live and let live. That is certainly not the case right now. You say something people deem wrong, and we will publicly shame you and cancel you. Yes. There is no relativism in this generation. So I want to point out and help them realize we all live as if there's an objective standard. And then, of course, the question is, what is that standard? Where does it come from? And how do we think Christianly about certain ethical issues? And I think we need to start young with young people and to have with kids and to ask a lot of questions rather than preach. I met this grandma recently, God bless her heart. She was talking with her grandchild and her grandchild said something about being a little bit more affirming towards LGBTQ than the grandma wanted it to be. And the grandma told me, she said, you know, I put my granddaughter in her place. I told her this is not right. Doesn't honor the Bible. And she needs to listen to me. And I just sat there grieving, thinking you're shutting down that relationship. Why don't you just tell your grandchild, I love you no matter what. Ask questions, have a long-term view, and so this young person doesn't turn you away. If we'd approach kids like this, I think they're eager to have these kinds of conversations. It's very interesting that you take that approach because many times I think as parents, we're, uh, we're a little nervous to, uh, to keep the dialogue going because somehow we think in the back of our mind we're supposed to have all the answers so give a word of uh, direction to parents who will admit that they don't have all the answers. How do you navigate it? So the research shows, this is sticky faith research, Kara Powell, Chap Clark out of Fuller Seminary. 
Okay. Kids do not largely leave the church because of doubt, hmm. but because of unexpressed doubt. Oh. In other words, what's more important than us given a perfect answer is building a relationship, engaging in the dialogue, and communicating that I love you no matter what. That's 80% of it. If we don't know the answer, one thing you can do is ask a question back and try to think of an answer. I learned that from my dad. He would ask questions and then be thinking, okay, I got to come up with an answer here. And then the other thing is say, you know what? That's a really good question. I don't know the answer to that. I'm going to find an answer and let's continue the conversation. Parents, you don't have to be the expert. You don't have to have it all figured out. Let me release you from that burden if you feel it. Let me let me ask you a question. I'm almost fearful to do this, okay? Because <laughs> I'm afraid you're going to poke holes in me, but let, let's go for it. So when you just said that comment, you know, I'm going to love you no matter what. What do you think goes through kids' minds? And what, what goes through his parents' minds? Like, you talked about the grandmother and what she should have said. What does that love look like? You know, I think that story, Julie, you told at the beginning that says, you know, about this atheist and this question, it's really about, am I accepted? Do you mm. care about me? That's the deeper, what I call question beneath the question. You see this with atheists. You see this with questions of science and faith. You see this with questions of sexuality. A young person wants to know, if I end up differing with you, am I safe? And are you still going to care about me no matter what? That's a heart issue. And so that's why we need to just communicate. And sometimes even asking questions, like if some if a young person asks a really sensitive question, you know, I wish this grandma had said, gosh, thanks for caring enough to share with me. Mm. What's going through your mind when you tell me about this? Because I, you know that I come from two generations removed and probably see this differently. Tell me what's going through your mind and why you want me to know this and just listen and ask questions and be present. It's possible to disagree with somebody and still love them. That's what our culture has no space for, but the Christian worldview does. I think if anything I've learned from you, you're always, the idea of, you know, don't be so quick to speak, but to mm. ask more questions slowly. And I'm like, I always try to remind myself of that because it's so easy. We want to just give answers and we want to like help you right away, but to listen and to be slow to react and really hear where that person's coming from. I think that's a piece of advice that uh, I keep hearing you speak about, and it's very helpful. <laughs> well, it's biblical. Yeah. In apologetics, you talk about the 60 twisted scriptures and explanations. Uh, that sounds like a good one. I don't want you to go through all 60. Just talk to <laughs> us about one that stands out in your mind right now. Uh, that are just going to draw people in to say, hey, I'm going to look at your book. I want to check out what this Rebel Manifesto is all about. Well, one popular one, I'm going to step on some toes. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it talks about, I know the plans I have for you. And he talks about distinctly to prosper you and give you success. That mm -hmm. verse was written under a different covenant to the nation of Israel. Now, God does want us to experience a kind of success, but I would argue a different kind of success. He loves us and has our good in mind. But the Bible also says God disciplines those that he loves. So that verse, we often take it out of its Old Testament covenant context and just apply it in the modern day 
that's not a fair way and a right way to use that passage. And when we do that, it can even lead to things like the prosperity gospel, which is not biblical. And frankly, it's a false gospel. Well, I'm glad you uh, clarified that one. That was a great one to uh, land on. And unfortunately, we got to end with that one for today. But I just want to thank you again for coming on. I want to encourage people to get a copy of your book, The Rebel Manifesto. And I look forward to having you back again as as soon as you're ready for us. Always a pleasure. What I love about Sean is that every time I hear him speak in in the background, the tonality I hear is relationship. No matter what we're talking about, if we don't remember, it's all about a relationship, just like I shared about my daughter, Trinity, and her, her friend, that if there isn't a relationship there, there's, there's no point of even trying to have a conversation about anything at all. Because if someone doesn't feel that they're cared for, they don't want to listen. You know the problem with that, with a guy like me? <laughs> I want to win the argument. Well, that's and, a problem. And that causes problems. <laughs> sure it does. Yeah, a lot so of people are like that. you have to say, here's what I believe, mm-hmm. and then you got to back off. Mm-hmm. But I also know that for those on the other side, like, if I'm going to walk that relationship, I really appreciate people saying, I'm still going to be your friend. Yes. Yeah, because I know I like to hear that. And other people kind of sit back with their arms crossed and, and they don't give a lot of love. No, but being able to separate that and saying it's okay to be on two different sides and still respect you as a human being and as a friend. Yeah, and there's a lot of subjects that are filled with tension right mm-hmm. now. It's almost like we weren't allowed to talk about things for 30, 40 years, and now they're just yeah. bubbling to the surface. I sure so appreciate are. Sean's approach and how he deals with life. Definitely. And uh, lesson to be learned for me. It was so good. Mm-hmm. That was a neat story about your daughter as well. Yeah. I'm really. not going to forget that one quickly. <laughs> hey, we're glad you're with us on The Perspective. Stay with us because, as I mentioned with Sean, I'm doing a series on integrity. We're going to talk about that right in a moment. I want to take this moment to tell you why we do the perspective. And Julie, there are two words going through my mind. (laughs) I know what they are. What are they? Hope and help. You got it. You knocked it out of the park. (laughs) Hope and help are so important. And can I just share with you as the viewing audience that we want people to experience the hope that happens when they put their trust in Jesus. I know it transformed my life. It will transform yours if it hasn't already. We also want to help people and through the many interviews and as we teach God's Word to help people to realize that the Lord is with us, that He is our refuge and strength. So could I ask you to help me give hope to people across our country? Why not go to the link below and donate to support the perspective and together we can give hope and help to our country. About five or six years ago, I did the dad thing and I went to the local lumber store to pick up some building supplies for my daughter. They were doing a project at their house. And um, when I went there, I asked for some help. And they said, oh yeah, the guy in the tow motor, he'll be there to help you. And he came over and he said, well, I can't come for five minutes because I'm picking up some garbage and he drove off. And then he went home. (laughs) Now, what was interesting is the next guy came along and I said to him, can you help me? He said, yes. And he was quite reluctant. I said to him, do you enjoy your job working here at the lumber store? And he said, no, I don't. I said, well, what would you prefer to be doing? And here's what he said. He said, well, he said, I like to open up a tanning salon next door to the high school. And as I smiled at all of that, I kept thinking about my subject for today, which is integrity. How do I operate in the 
workplace? How do I operate when the boss isn't watching? The customer is there and he needs help. That was me. And I just say, I want to go home. I want to check out. Let me do some mindless tasks. God calls and he invites you and I to be people of integrity. And we talked about integrity that really yesterday we said it's a reflection of who we're allowing to influence us. It's also um, a rationale for how I choose to handle life situations. Who is it that's influencing me in making the choices that I'm making? Am I being influenced by God's word or am I being influenced by a secular agenda? Very interesting because even the secular agenda keeps changing. And somehow it's almost as if there's no right or wrong. And we get frustrated, though, because even though there might be no right or wrong, we still expect our leaders and people that we technically report to to be of moral and to have moral authority. But they've lost it. And I want to suggest the reason that the world has lost its moral authority, that so many leaders have lost their moral authority, because they're not people of integrity. And ultimately, if I'm going to be a person of integrity, I need to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. You know, Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, he said, don't be drunk with wine, but rather be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we all know how alcohol can control somebody. And he said, in the same way, let the Spirit of God control you. So whether it's at work, whether it's in uh, how I choose to live as a sexual being, whether it's in filling out my income tax, whatever it might be, I need to choose to be a person of integrity. Integrity is not something that just zaps you in the night. No, it's something I have to work at every day as I surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I'm always looking for ways to how to apply it. And perhaps for me, at least, one of the best examples in scripture of a person who had to live out this whole life of integrity in the midst of incredible temptation is found in the story of Ruth. Ruth is found early on in the, uh, the Old Testament. It's a story of a, of a Moabite woman who found herself not only with her young husband who had died, but now she's taking care of her Jewish mother-in-law as well. They're poverty stricken. They have nothing. They're destitute. And what we find is that even in the midst of that situation, she could have compromised. She had an opportunity to uh, present herself in a sexual way that could maybe bring more security. There was someone who was referred to as the kinsman redeemer, uh, which meant he was the person to re responsible to take care of someone's descendants if the person died. It was the next relative, the next of kin. And Naomi and Ruth, as they come back to Jerusalem, they have nothing, but they realize there's a next of kin. This man is named Boaz. But what happens is a strange cultural thing. Um, he was a farmer and Ruth is harvesting, uh, gathering together the sheaves uh, in his field. And as she is seeking out or scavenging out a livelihood, she finds herself going down to the threshing floor late at night under the direction of her mother-in-law. Her mother-in-law said, this is the culture go sleep at his feet, and when he wakes up, tell him that you're the next of kin, and see what he does. Well, it would have been very easy 
when that happened, and by the way, no one has ever slept at my feet, and my wife has reminded me never to expect it to happen. But as we understand the culture and how God works within the culture, Boaz wakes up startled, as is understandable, and he looks at Ruth, and he realizes that they could be involved in a sexual relationship at that moment. But he says, no, he says, that's not what we're going to do. We're going to wait till the morning, and then I'm going to take care of the matter properly. And if I'm the next of kin, I will take care of you. But if there's someone else, then that will be his responsibility. Whew, what a, what a tense situation to be in. And likely you're going to experience something like that this week or next. You have to make a decision. Will you be that person of integrity when no one is watching or when they are watching? Choose to be the real thing with the help of God. Stay tuned for the second half of The Perspective coming up right after this. We all love stories. They shape our minds, fuel our passions, and give perspective to our situation. Speaking of perspective, have you checked out The Perspective on your local TV network? The Perspective is Canada's newest daily faith-based program that addresses the issues between faith and culture. You will hear stories from guests like Lisa Bevere, Daryl Strawberry, Paul Henderson, The Godwink People, David Nurse, and many more. Hosted by Dr. Mike Sherboneau, The Perspective is here to help you find and follow Jesus. Check us out at theperspective.tv. Looking for a church to connect with? North End Church at 455 Geneva Street in St. Catharines has the welcome mat out for you, and Pastor Mike would love to get to meet and talk with you. Join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. North End Church, where everyone is welcome, no one is perfect, and anything is possible. 